Hello, readers. Howard Schultz is the former chairman and CEO of Starbucks, former owner of the Seattle Supersonics, and author of the book From the Ground Up, A Journey to Reimagine the Promise of America. Howard, thank you for the time. How's it going today? I'm doing great. Thanks for the nice introduction, and I appreciate talking about the book as well. Thank you very much. You're in the middle of a tour through Texas right now, Dallas yesterday, Houston today, San Antonio tomorrow, and then Austin on Friday and Saturday. Uh, What are some of your impressions of the state so far? Well, I've been to Texas a number of times, obviously through my life at Starbucks, and uh, over this past year, spent some time in McAllen, uh, touring the southern border, trying to understand the issues and the concerns with regard to immigration. But the highlight of my day yesterday, in addition to the response I got at SMU, which was really wonderful, over a thousand people showed up, was spending time yesterday with post 9-11 veterans at the Adaptive Training Center. Uh, I was there for a couple of hours, and I really got a sense of what post 9-11 veterans are dealing with, especially after serious injuries. And coming back and and the difficult time of transitioning from uh, wearing the cloth of the nation to uh, not really fitting in and having a difficult time with the transition, both because of injuries uh, and issues of just trying to find their place back into the into the country. And it's it's heartbreaking, really. And then hearing their stories about the difficulty in dealing with the VA uh, was just so troubling to me and at the same time quite inspiring when you see uh, who they are, what they've done for the country, their valor, their bravery, and we owe them so much. But that was the highlight of my day yesterday. And, you know, I've spent a lot of time with veterans over the last few years, and uh, I just have a, a very uh, warm spot in my heart for uh, the men and women who have served the nation and done so much for us, and we owe them a, a great debt of gratitude. And your track record in your time at Starbucks speaks to uh, just how committed you are to uh, trying to help the lives of those who help serve this country, whether it was in the military, overseas, whether it was as a first responder uh, in situations like 9-11 or just in day-to-day life as well. And we certainly want to get to that in a second. But your book starts out in a very interesting way, Howard. It's not the typical upbringing that you think of with somebody who has served as a CEO for some of the country's most successful and recognizable countries. You actually grew up in public housing projects in New York City with your grandmother literally hosting regular card games to make money, with your mom hostessing, your your dad was chauffeuring for the players as well. What were some of the things that you witnessed in that setting as a kid? How did it shape your childhood, and how has it affected you as an adult? Well, I appreciate the question, and I open up the book as you just uh, described with the fact that my grandmother was a professional gambler and was hosting card games at our two-bedroom apartment in public housing. And my parents basically had to do whatever they could to make ends meet. And there was so much pressure on my family to for money and resources to the point where uh, we actually had food dropped off to the house a couple of times a month because we were just really struggling. But that, that scarred me as a young boy and I I understood the shame of being a poor kid and uh, the fact that I've been able to be successful in life, I think, speaks to the promise of the country and and the American dream. And, you know, I'm self-made. I'm very proud of that. And at the same time, quite concerned about the millions of American families and many of whom are in Texas who feel as if 
the promise of the country and the American dream is no longer available to them. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm considering running for president and doing it outside of the two-party system, because the two parties at the extremes uh, have not, in my view, represented the American people properly. They're so concerned about their own ideology and self-interest and not doing what's necessary to help the American people. So uh, the short answer to your question is, my childhood shaped the way I would see Starbucks and try and build the kind of company my father never got a chance to work for, providing health insurance, ownership, and free college tuition to all of our employees, I think speaks to uh, my commitment to doing everything I can to bring people along on a journey and share success. And that's what I would try and do if I decide to run for president. Howard, growing up, you talked about your, your tough upbringing and, and going through some things as a child. What did you use as, as inspiration, as motivation throughout your childhood and then even on to your adulthood uh, to keep you going and give you that drive to be as successful as you've been over the years? My mother, I, I think, uh, really deserves the credit. Uh, she had a just a uh, unbelievable belief in the country, uh, had a unique relationship although she'd never met him, with President Kennedy at the time and uh, his belief that your station in life did not define you. And she imprinted in me the fact that uh, we would get out of the projects and I would be the first person in our family to go to college. But it was her belief in the, in the country and that uh, anything was possible in America. And I think my story can only happen in America, and I, I want to see that continue. But my mother really deserves the credit for providing me the foundational self-esteem uh, to get out of the projects. And unfortunately, my parents uh, w- was not able to, to really see the success I enjoyed at Starbucks. And uh, I try and think about them every day. A lot of attention has been given to the story that you tell in the book about how your dad, who was a World War II vet, uh, physically assaulted you as a teenager. It was uh, a- after you had talked back to your mom, you were taking a shower, uh, he came into the bathroom and uh, beat you up pretty badly. But you also insist in the book that that moment didn't necessarily define your relationship with your pops. There were positive moments between the two of you as well, including going to Yankees games. Uh, you admit that you're a huge Yankees Yankees fan. I've actually heard you rattle off the lineup of that ridiculous 1961 team. Who was your favorite player on that squad? Well, that's an easy question. Number seven, Mickey Mantle. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, yes, I'm a lifelong Yankee fan, and my relationship with my father uh, emotionally was so steeped in going to Yankee Stadium and sitting in the right field bleachers and uh, watching those great teams. But uh, you you do bring up a situation in which my father... Uh, was very bitter after the war and uh, never found his place uh, as a blue-collar worker in the country. And uh, there were times of rage and violence. And unfortunately, uh, there were times when I was the the brunt of that. Uh, And I think it also speaks to the struggles that so many people have in life where they just can't find their place. And my father was one of those kinds of people and Uh, Everything I've tried to do in life, especially at Starbucks, was trying to build the kind of company he never got a chance to work for in terms of the dignity of work and respecting people. And, uh, you know, when I look at the country and I've traveled so much this year, and it saddens me to uh, see American families who don't feel as if the American dream is is accessible to them. And I I find that uh, to be very disheartening as well as 
the healthcare crisis we have and, and the education issue and we can't solve the immigration problem that is facing lots of people here in Texas. And I think uh, most of this is steeped in the fact that uh, we don't have the right kind of leadership uh, that is providing the country uh, with the direction and the uh, and solving the complex problems that we have. But it all comes down to servant leadership and doing everything we can on, on the part of the American people. And I think the character and morality, the lack of civility of this president uh, has created the kind of incitement uh, that is not, in my view, uh, what America is about. And uh, I don't believe we're as divided as uh, uh, some people claim in terms of the fear and hate of our divisiveness. And we need to do much more to try and unify the country around a common purpose. And that's what I want to try and do. Howard, uh, you know, you talked about the the Yankees, of course, being a big sports fan growing up. And and I'm curious, was it always a dream of yours to, to be an owner of a professional sports franchise at some point like you were with the Supersonics? And also, what part of owning a pro sports franchise, what values, what lessons, what things did you learn uh, that you've used later in your life and also uh, as you consider uh, running for presidency in 2020? Well, I never imagined that I would one day be in a position to buy a professional sports team, especially given my background. But, uh, you know, my, my real love is baseball. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, the Yankees were not going to be available to me. Uh, I actually had a chance once to be a minority investor in the Mariners, and uh, it wasn't the right time. But uh, – my time with the Sonics did not go as well as I had hoped. We owned the team for five years. We we had a very bad uh, economic lease, uh, which we were losing money every year. In fact, I, I talked to Mark Cuban about this many times, uh, trying to uh, understand how he was able to uh, do the things in Dallas that we were unable to do in Seattle. But I think, you know, when you have that kind of power and responsibility, uh, you need to demonstrate restraint because – uh, you are responsible for the public trust, and uh, I think that's a, a great lesson that I learned when I owned the Sonics. And uh, the NBA has gone on to be a worldwide global sport. Uh, Adam Silver's done a fantastic job, and looks like the Mavericks got a great new rookie player. And I know Mark is pretty excited about that. Yeah, no question about that. Luka Doncic looks like he has a chance to be uh, very special. Now, we actually had one of your former players on in the recent past, Vin Baker, uh, to discuss his autobiography. And in it, he talks about how much he appreciated his relationship with you as someone who was not only willing to listen and speak frankly with him, but eventually you provided him a second chance in life within Starbucks after he started to recover from hitting rock bottom due to alcohol abuse and recklessly blowing through more than $100 million. Who are some of your favorite players uh, from your time with the Sonics, and uh, what are some of your favorite moments uh, just in terms of owning the team? Well, I'm glad you brought up Vin Baker because uh, it is a heroic story, and Vin deserves all the credit in the world for uh, really transforming his life. Uh, he's now an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I have a real love and admiration for Vin and my family, my wife, my kids. Uh, Vin is an extension of our family. I'm so proud of him. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, my, my relationship with some of the players, especially the young players, uh, one player in particular was Desmond Mason, who went to Oklahoma yeah, State. Yeah. Uh, 
a guy who could literally jump out of the gym <laughs> and a uh, fantastic young man, great young player. And and, and today, uh, as a retired NBA player, he's become a painter and quite good. Huh. Uh, in fact, we've, we've bought a couple of his paintings. We, we maintain a relationship with Desmond, uh, just a great young man. The other person is Earl Watson, who we drafted as a second-round rookie out of UCLA. He became the coach of the Phoenix Suns. Another young man that we're very close to, and uh, I'm hoping, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this if he ever hears it, uh, that he's going to become the next coach of UCLA. Wow. Is, so he's currently in the uh, the world of coaching right now then? Yeah, and just fantastic young man, and he's gone back to school. He's getting his degree at UCLA as we speak, and I was just with Earl in Los Angeles about a week ago, and I know he's in the mix for the next coaching job at UCLA. Now, part of the problem you ran into as uh, the owner of the team was convincing the city of Seattle to pay for a stadium to replace Key Arena. This was after the city had done so, I believe, for uh, both the football and baseball teams as well. Now, things are a little bit different in 2019 uh, versus uh, 15 years ago, especially with how valuable pro sports teams are worth. Do you believe that cities uh, in 2019 should be paying for stadiums for franchises whose worth is in the billions? Well, no, I, I think I've come around to a different view of that. Um, I think when you look at uh, the equity of a professional sports team today, uh, close to or over a billion dollars, and uh, I think it's really the responsibility of the ownership to try and uh, do as much as possible and privatize the building of a stadium. I think right now, uh, state governments and certainly the federal government is under so much financial pressures. Uh, we have a homeless crisis in America that we're trying to solve. Uh, so there's lots of social issues that I think would, in my view, override uh, the financing of a pro, pro sports facility. I think it really needs to be a responsibility of the ownership group. Howard, you are a, uh, a lifelong Democrat, but you are considering running as an centrist independent. And for myself and a lot of other people who feel like we reside in the gray area, in the middle of this political landscape, we don't feel like we're properly represented by either the left or the right. It seems like the extreme viewpoint of whatever topic is at hand. Is that a big reason why you are shifting your allegiance from the Democratic Party into the centers? Because you see this two-party system as being entirely too broken to uh, actually be able to fix things for America? Well, I think you just hit the uh, the nail on the head, exactly that. The, the, the two parties at the extremes are steeped in a level of ideology and, and in a sense, revenge politics every single day. Uh, the country is not being served properly by our elected officials. Uh, we, we have a number of problems that need to be addressed. And I think the vast majority of Americans represent a silent majority uh, that are not being represented by the far left and the far right. The Democrats now are going as far left as I've ever seen them in terms of uh, policies and proposals that resemble a, a socialistic society. Uh, the far right under President Trump and the Republican Party, uh, I think, no longer represents uh, the core constituency of the American people. And I think People are looking for common sense solutions, leadership that they can trust, government that works for them. I think the two-party system is not only broken, but in many ways corrupt with self-interest. And what I'm going to try and do is, is travel the country as I am this week in Texas and next week in Florida 
and really state my case to the American people that I think it's time to disrupt the system and really uh, have the government working for you. Uh, in every uh, town hall that I've been to, including last night at SMU, I, I asked the audience a question. Last night, over a thousand people, I asked, uh, raise your hand if you think the government is working well for you and your family. And last night, I think less than 10 hands went up. And that is emblematic of what I've seen around the country where the American people uh, have lost trust and confidence in the government, in our leadership, and certainly the character, morality, and dignity and honor of the person in the Oval Office, I think, needs to be replaced. And I think we need the kind of leadership that people could trust. And I think uh, what I'm going to be talking about is, is, is things that are honest, truthful. People may not agree with me. They may not like what I have to say, but I'm going to speak the truth and try and uh, deal with some very serious issues that need to be solved. The national debt, uh, trying to solve health care, rebuild our K-12 through education system, our standing in the world. Uh, I think just the uh, level of uh, insanity that's going on uh, right now in terms of a, uh, a, a false emergency at, at the border. Uh, we could have a constitutional crisis on our hand. These are all things, I think, that are... Uh, based on a la lack of leadership and, and not what the American people need and not what the American people deserve. And we deserve a much better political class than we're getting, and the American people are better than our political class. Sir, you state a very compelling case, and you also have the track record to back it up. I will be uh, intrigued to continue following you on your current path to see whether or not you uh, eventually find yourself in uh, the race officially or not, uh, and uh, best of luck with that. He is Howard Schultz, former chairman and CEO of Starbucks. The new book is From the Ground Up, A Journey to Reimagine the Promise of America. And, of course, he is considering running for the office of the presidency. Howard, thank you so much for the time today. It was a pleasure, sir. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care.